Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. In June, we're going to be releasing Alone in Space, a hardback book that will collect together Tilly Warden's first three books for Avery Hill. The End of Summer, I Love This Part and A City Inside, along with a lot of previously uncollected web comics and short pieces that appeared in various magazines and anthologies. Altogether, this is going to be the definitive showcase of Tilly's formative work and a very important presentation of a rapid development as a comics creator. With that in mind, over the next few shows I'm going to talk to people about various aspects of Tilly's early work to try and get some sort of perspective on her stratospheric rise through the industry and ongoing growth in the medium. In this episode we're going to be chatting to Avery Hill's own Ricky Miller about his discovery of Tilly's work and how their professional relationship developed and grew. But first, here's some other comics podcasts you may enjoy. Oh, we've had an email asking if we wanted to do an advert for the Avery Hill podcast. Oh, that's nice of them. Does that mean we can't swear? Yeah, pretty much. So, no words like... Or sh- and definitely no. Oh, Gabriel Comics. Yeah, they're nice. Uh, we're the Awesome Comics Pod. You can find us at awesomecomics.podbean.com or on iTunes, and as the Awesome Comics Podcast, and buy a copy of our Awesome Comics anthology at www.awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com. Oh, that was very professional, wasn't it? I knew that'd go alright. Oh, Jesus. In the monthly radio show on comics, Panel Borders, you can hear Alan Moore. Films, you see this gradual rehabilitation of Godzilla. Sandy Toxvig. There's something about the cartoon world that, honestly, in these grim times, is rather preferable to flesh and blood sometimes. Chris Riddell. I have a draw in my studio. Um, it's the naughty draw. And many more writers and artists talking about their craft. More info at www.panelborders.wordpress.com. Need a podcast all about comics topics, reviews, and just general chit chat? Then join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, Giuseppe Lambertino, and me, Tom Stewart, at That Comic Smell. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes, and on Twitter and Instagram at That Comic Smell. Pull up a chair and join us. And now, let's talk to Ricky. Hello, Ricky. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I say joining us, but really, like, you're one of the people at the centre of Avery Hill and therefore kind of always here. Like, you, you're nev- you never really leave. <laughs> you're always at the back of my mind when I do anything. <laughs> well, does that mean you found the spy software in your computer? <laughs> I didn't find it, but I just assumed it was there. <laughs> <laughs> just hoped, hoped. Um, just for new listeners, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and explain your particular, odd to call it a role, but let's call it a role at Avery Hill Publishing? Yes, so I'm Ricky Miller. I'm the co-publisher at Avery Hill Publishing with David White. We kind of founded the company uh, many, many years ago now, and my role is, so I, I'll kind of run projects on on the books that I edit and look after and then on top of that I kind of look after a lot of the kind of sales marketing day-to-day stuff and kind of daily running of the company I guess. And today we're going to be talking about the end of summer and Tilly's work for Overhill but sort of emphasizing particularly that initial moment of 
discovery of Tilly and approaching Tilly to, to work with Avery Hill and the sort of the relationship, creative relationship and, and personal relationship that sort of blossomed from, from that and that sort of led to uh, this new edition, uh, Alone in Space, that's going to be hitting the shelves uh, soon, which is a new lovely hardback edition that contains The End of Summer, I Love This Part, A City Inside, and probably most thrilling part for me, loads of sort of hard to and sort of previously unseen, but sort of web comics and magazine features that just have never been collected before. And a lot of people just wouldn't have seen or possibly even knew existed. Yeah, it was kind of really cool compiling all that stuff, especially as Tilly and I kind of sat down and went through, a, a, had a Zoom conversation over, went through each of the new strips and well, not new strips, existing strips, but newly compiled strips and kind of took notes on them so that we could kind of put little descriptions in each one, but we ended up kind of having a really interesting chat about how they fitted into her work overall and just looking at that whole body in one place, which was essentially Tilly's teenage years, I guess. It might might go up to 20, maybe 21 occasionally, but mostly her teen years. And... It's nice to kind of have what I think is an important historical document, as well as some fun comments. (laughs) Obviously, on uh, previous episodes, we've talked about the sort of the secret origin of of Tilly Warden in terms of uh, you spotting her work online and approaching her and being put off initially because she was still finishing high school and coming back to to arrange to, to... publish uh the end of summer i just wondered do you remember specifically like the first piece or first pieces of of tilly's that you saw online that sort of made you think this is someone who i'd like to work with i think so um it 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 was on twitter and i think it was so it was either this image or it was an image that i found when i clicked through to a website because of that post but and there's an image of a little boy wearing like ski goggles holding a toy aeroplane um, sitting in kind of a street but he's bigger than the buildings in the kind of I love this part kind of way and we've used that in Alone in Space on the title page and I'm pretty sure it was that image or at least that's the one where it really made me connect with what she was doing I, I was kind of, I was talking to Tilly's class. At, uh, she teaches at the Centre of Cartoon Studies and she asked me to come in and have a chat with them about editing and things. And what, one of the questions we always get asked is what, what we look for when we're trying to find creators to put out. And with, with us, it always very much starts with the creator. And we want to find someone we like and what, work we do with them kind of comes after that so it's not them coming to us and saying oh I've got this book it's more us going to them and saying we really like your work what would you like to do so the initial I guess empathy with the creator is not is not necessarily for a particular piece of work it's through them um it's kind of us looking at them and thinking we we like them we like what they do um and I, I think that image kind of really spoke to me and yeah, I, I think empathy is kind of the best way of describing it. It's just one of those, especially with Tilly, because I mean, Tilly's work is 
think the best thing about Tilly's work, apart from the greatness of her draftsmanship and her stories and things, is just the level of empathy she makes you feel with the create uh, with the characters um, and the emotions that she makes you feel. And I, I think that's kind of what I saw in that work. It was a creator who made me feel something. Yeah, I think, uh, as you say, the interesting thing there is, you know, I, I'm sort of thinking in a very sort of hindsight 2020 way, you know, what was this one magical moment where you saw a piece and you were, uh, you know, decided that this was the, whereas in reality, and I, I can imagine for a lot of people, it's something that they can sort of empathise with in terms of discovering a new creator. You sort of found one piece that intrigued you, then another piece that intrigued you. So it becomes like a, a cumulative thing, doesn't it? And, and the nice thing is, obviously, with Alone in Space, having so much early work put together that people wouldn't have seen, they'll get to sort of almost relive that moment of, of discovery. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of people probably know the, the main books, but uh, there are serious kind of landmarks in the short comics as well that I think people will enjoy discovering if they don't know them already. So eventually a deal is struck for the end of summer to be published and it hits the shelves. I've got 19th of June 2015 as the uh, publication date for the first edition. Does that sound yeah, about right? It does. Yeah, it was kind of what well, the thing is the end of summer wasn't initially what we agreed to, to do with Tilly. So first of all, we kind of suggested that we do like a collection of her short works, um, mm. which, which she had at the time, which now thinking about it is kind of what we've done now <laughs> in the space to a certain extent. And then it kind of drifted a bit. And in, in all honesty, I got kind of less excited about that. We had, we had other projects going on and um, we were kind of thinking, oh, it's gonna, I mean, it's nice work, but it's kind of, it would be more interesting to do something new with Tilly because um, she was obviously getting better all the time. And that it was at that point she suggested the end of, I mean, we would have still done the short stories. I mean, they would have been great, but uh, I, I think at the same time she came to us and said, oh, I don't, I don't really like some of this stuff anymore. And I'd rather do like a, a longer piece of work instead. Um, so that, that was kind of at the point where we got to the end of summer and uh, she, kind of pitched a, I think like a hundred page graphic novel at us, which we thought was probably a bit kind of uh, ambitious for uh, a 17 year old, 18 year old at the time. Yeah, then she did like a one page image of it and we were like, okay, yeah, do that, do that. That's, <laughs> That's interesting because um, it kind of speaks to firstly, the sort of speed of Tilly's development in terms of her how good she was getting at making comics in that period and also so early on her own sort of productivity and I guess more importantly her own faith in her productivity as you say like I think a lot of people when they decide they want to make comics the sort of mistake they make or the mistake they can make is to decide well what I really need to do is make this eight volume work all about this particular they just set themselves this massive you know mag, magnum opus to, to 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 start with whereas you know it's obviously sometimes easier to sort of to build yourself up 
So as you say, for someone at that point in their career to go, oh, I want to do a hundred page graphic novel is ambitious. Yeah, and that, I, I think it, not not Tillian particularly, because she she's probably more aware or was more aware of shortcomings and things, but I, I think it's kind of the way the graphic novel industry kind of presents itself as as a thing. And it's like, there's a lot of creators who only see these artists making these big books and don't really know that most of these artists probably did like little short comics or work for hire and stuff be before they got to that point. So when you're kind of looking at it, you think, oh, I'm, I'm the first book I do, of course, is going to be like 300 pages. <laughs> uh, I just uh, I had to look online just out of curiosity before we sat down to talk about this. How much do you think a first edition of The End of Summer uh, is going for on Amazon right now? <laughs> um, I, I think even like quite close to the time they were trying to charge exorbitant amounts. But yeah, no, knowing how those things work, how, how much is it? Uh, £388.44. Okay, I'll, I'll get right on that. I'll get right on that. <laughs> Which I think is, is above the uh, recommended retail price on publication. That's correct, isn't it? Um, yeah, <laughs> now, now I wish we had gone a bit higher on the, uh, the RRP. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you'd done it, 250 a pop, it would have been seen as a bargain now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people would still be making a profit. The, uh, as you say, the sort of production process of uh, the end of summer is, is something that I'm, I'm fascinated by because essentially as Tilly starts to make it, she's studying at the Centre Cart for Cartoon Studies, the, the institution at which she is now uh, part of the faculty. Um, as you say, you did a talk there recently, I've mentioned this to Tilly before, to me, it feels like a sort of magical place, doesn't it? This this sort of purpose-built, purpose-run comic school in Vermont with, like, some incredible people teaching on the faculty. Yeah, when when she was kind of telling me all the people she had coming... I mean, they had David Mazzucchelli go out. It's just, it's just outrageous, really. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like, and Steve Bissett and just, yeah, just incredible, incredible people. And me. Yeah, exactly. This is the thing. They, they only Except get the best... I had to do it over Zoom. I, I, I didn't get to go out there. Yeah, it does feel like it would be an incredible sort of space to, to wander around in. And again, just, just going back to the production of uh, The End of Summer, it feels like the perfect sort of environment to make a comic, obviously. You know, you've got... The, the whole time you're there and the space around you is dedicated to this one particular craft and everyone who's around you is is learning or teaching and everyone you're talking to is making stuff and you're bouncing ideas off people and uh, you know I have no idea what the library's like but you'd imagine uh, it's pretty good and full of comics isn't it? Yeah so Tilly was it was like her first year away from home and she was a lot younger than most of the people there as um, I think she was only 18 when she went there, whereas most people do it. It's like a postgraduate kind of thing. And she was getting up at 4am to work on the end of the summer, then going to school at like 8am or something. And then <laughs> she was cleaning hotel rooms as a job in the evenings and then basically going to bed when she got in. Incredible. Uh, that was kind of her schedule at the time. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing as well, isn't it? Like, you know, I've, I've spoken to her a couple of times about her work 
and the thing that's shining through and, and you can sort of see this from the outside just looking at the, the sort of rate at which she's producing books but her own sort of innate drive and, and productivity sort of coupled to that particular environment does seem like the perfect sort of chemistry to to make work doesn't it yeah and then um, I mean it helps that she's fast um yep. that, that helps with many many things and <laughs> The end, the end of summer is is kind of it stands out in her body of work uh, just for the level of detail on a lot of those pages. I mean, they were drawn a lot bigger than she draws most of the time anyway, and the kind of labour that you can see in, in those early pages in the backgrounds and all the architecture and things is just kind of incredible. What she was doing there, I I, I don't I don't I mean, Steve, you you know the quite a lot about comics can can you think of a a better first long form comic by anybody when it's like the first thing they've ever done i genuinely can't i mean just looking back obviously i've read the end of summer at the time was blown away by and i've I've looked at it a couple times since looked at it again specifically for this and sort of looking at the sort of the, the work you know studying it as work to sort of try and see and try and sort of imagine you know a debut being that assured it's such a sort of a showcase of the ability that Tilly had at that point you know every sort of element the character design is really simple but really good and and as you said earlier like a big part of the the effectiveness of Tilly's work is the the emotion and empathy of, of the pieces and the sort of the the faces are so sort of delicate but she can still draw wonderful sort of emotional responses into those those characters and like you know the panel compositions are exquisite page designs are tremendous the pacing of the work for someone's first you know the 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 line work is as i say so sort of delicate but has real strength and feeling to it there's nothing insubstantial about it at all and that and that really does shine through mostly in the as you say the the sort of the the backgrounds and the structural work in the architecture around the characters which this is gonna sound outlandish but the the, the thing it makes me think the most of is the work of uh, Gerhard in uh, Cerebus where you know it's these huge monumental buildings uh, that are so you know exquisitely rendered you know without the sort of the necessary the sort of the, the cross hatching and, and whatnot but still uh, these the remarkable sort of scales of the whole thing isn't there yeah i i i actually sent tilly some gerhard as references while she was working on it actually it was um just because obviously i I, I was kind of feeling the same things, um, especially with the cover and stuff, the original cover, that when we were kind of deciding what to do for that, I did send her a load of Cerebus covers that I thought she could draw on. So, yeah, I, I think he was a influence. And, yeah, that kind of level of cartooning alongside those backgrounds is, I mean, like, yeah, Cerebus was great, but that was two people doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, this is, yeah, uh, as we say, this is like Gerhard doing the, the, the background. And then, you know, for me, the line work is, oh, the, the line work on the figures is so evocative of uh, Windsor Mackay, which, who I know is, you know, visually a very big influence on, on Tilly and someone she was studying at the time. 
but it does feel almost sort of magical to have this book with you know Mackay style figures wandering around Gerhard style <laughs> uh, <laughs> backdrops and you know uh, obviously again uh, Mackay is someone who did incredibly detailed work and 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 again was someone who would play with scale and control scale which is such a bold thing I think for a new young creator to do to you know for, for so many creators as they start just things like perspective and scale are the hardest things to master aren't they to sort of get everything proportionally correct on the page is in itself an incredible gift to have and it's just remarkable to look at this book and uh, for Tilly to sort of go what if a cat was massive but it didn't look you know uh, particularly weird because I'll just draw it in a way that makes it feel natural in this world like what a a bold thing to decide to do and to uh, pull off so well. Yeah, yeah, that that cat's pretty amazing. But like, <laughs> I mean, she she was um, she studied kind of fine art and stuff when she was at school. So I I think there's definitely those elements coming in there as well. And then then there's a lot a lot of kind of manga that she grew up with, which at the time I didn't I didn't really know anything about manga and. The past few years I've been on a manga journey and um <laughs> I kind of I'm reading stuff where I'm like, oh <laughs> now I know where like Tilly and Zoe and people like that are kind of drawing some of this stuff from. And I find it really I, I think that's some of the excitement there. Like I always say about Tilly that there's a the kind of manga influence and then there's kind of French comics influence and a kind of British sensibility as well in there and American comics and they kind of all mesh together in Tilly in a way which is just kind of thrilling really and just different to most things you ever see. Like one one of the main things for me with Tilly's work in general that I really think gets overlooked but the end of summer in particular is just it's kind of weird it's kind of odd like the story is just strange the fact that it's set in another world where there's this winter going on in the background, which we, which we never really explain where it is or what's going on, which which is kind of deliberate. And it's something I always kind of like anyway. It's just not needing to explain that stuff because I feel like it can diminish things sometimes if you kind of explain things too much. And just the stuff that goes on, all the characters are odd. Then there's these kind of weird segues into the mythology and religion behind it all, like stuff about the gods. And then at points you'll have an engine being assembled visually that <laughs> is kind of more kind of symbolically relates to what's going on than anything else. And there's just, I think to a certain extent, the way Tilly gets looked at gets kind of smoothed over into kind of middle grade YA type stuff but there's something much more kind of there's darker things going on than that it's, it's more complexity there's a different like she just thinks differently to most people like she's strange in a good way um <laughs> as a person as well yeah I, I think that's kind of all feeds into the work in a way that's just totally interesting and I mean People, I, I've heard people in the past saying there's her work's whimsical or 
or whatever and it's just like no no you just don't get it <laughs> yeah i think nemo the cat is a good example there isn't it where it's sort of something that does sort of play into people's idea of uh whimsy and cuteness but at the same time is really sort of fitting with the whole tonal oddness of the whole piece which works a treat it really does sort of flavor things so nicely it's like sort of seasoning on the whole piece isn't it where everything does feel slightly askew but that's a great sort of way to be introduced to a a, a fresh new world i think isn't it yeah and it, it's, it's when we were kind of working on the end of summer uh sorry uh on the sunbeam we were um we were kind of having similar conversations about like me, me and tilly knew the backstory of a lot of the stuff and what was going on and things and it was just like no we, we don't need to talk about it it's let everyone else kind of figure that stuff out for themselves or fill in the gaps themselves it's just knowing that there is something wider going on that isn't being explained is sometimes even better than explaining too much yeah i think we've both read enough comics where you lose a page or two to just expositional talking heads and it just yeah. brings the flow of the piece to a shuddering halt, doesn't it? And so difficult then to sort of pick up that sort of pace again. Whereas, as I say, here, the pacing is so sort of deliberate and so effective, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it kind of, yeah, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about I, I can't think of anyone who was working at that kind of level at that age. And... People like Frank Miller and John Byrne were making comics at 18, 19 for, for Marvel and DC, but I look at their early work and I don't think it's as good. And they weren't they weren't writing at that time either, and they certainly weren't creating stuff like The End of the Summer. I think another thing that sort of struck me looking back on the book, and I guess looking at it in a particular way to talk to you about, about it as a, as a piece and in terms of the production, but... Um, you know, it's 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 black and white, but that doesn't really do justice to how effectively Tilly uses that that grey wash and the spotted blacks to add sort of depth and strength to so many of the the images. Particularly, I think the the sort of architectural elements. Yeah, definitely, and like the level of technique involved in that is just really really good. It, it's something that she doesn't hasn't been doing quite as much of but then I've seen she showed me a, a few sneak peeks at something she's working on at the moment where she's kind of gone back to that spot black style and yeah once you know what it is she's working on you'll kind of know why In incredible yeah must be wonderful to be that creative that you can sort of lay that technique aside for a while and then come back and revisit it <laughs> Yeah, that, that's kind of part of the things we were talking about when we were kind of looking through the other work in Alone in Space. And it's kind of, especially going through the short comics where she was like, oh, this is a point where I started colouring digitally. This was a point where I kind of started loosening up my style. And you, you can see the kind of transition between kind of a city inside kind of style with what on the Sunbeam kind of became. And then when she gets to Are You Listening uh, and those kind of books where essentially she's working with colour being the beginning of the page because back at, uh, with, with these ones it was more more dialogue was like speech bubbles was where she would start but 
now she's at a point or she was a couple of books ago where she was starting with a color and kind of a much more abstract style of color as well so just kind of seeing that transition through her work as she's exploring where she's going and it's kind of almost feels like she's completed the whole cycle now and she's going back to where she was at the beginning to maybe bring in some of those other elements into that original kind of style it's very exciting to kind of see her develop in that way well this is going to be the interesting thing is as as tilly develops and starts to mix and match between these different techniques and styles you know creating whole new ways of, of her making comics which will be fascinating to follow i think yeah i mean it feels like she's gone through a complete career cycle when she's 23 24 i think so <laughs> well i thought it was, it was interesting earlier when you said about her going to study at the center for cartoon studies and she's the youngest person there because most people are doing it sort of as a postgraduate thing and she's on the faculty now so it's like her postgraduate thing was becoming a teacher <laughs> which is remarkable isn't it so you know she'll be around the same age as a lot of the students but with this incredible body of work behind that she's assembled so quickly I, I always kind of reach for kind of musical comparisons and for me the person she most resembles is Kate Bush I think it's um Kate Bush also kind of was discovered when she was 17 kind of put out phenomenal work really really fast stuff and then kind of discovered the studio and kind of started working different ways started started tracks with the kind of rhythm and the drums and thing and bass which in the ways which now a lot of hip-hop artists kind of take her kind of rhythm tracks and use those because she got so good at it and then the kind of things she would layer on top of those and just kind of really exploring her work until she got to a point where she felt like she'd kind of gone in lots of different directions and then kind of came back to more traditional songwriting but using all those elements in different ways and yeah it's kind of Honestly, can't wait to see what she does next, really. Tilly, not, well, and Kate Bush, but Tilly. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, Tilly's uh, washing machine-based uh, creations. That should be... Uh, she could do it. It would be an amazing comic. She, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that with an entirely <laughs> straight face. Look, looking forward to it. <laughs> get, get the spin cycle going. <laughs> see what we can do. <laughs> uh, just to sort of, uh, sort of draw, draw the camera back a bit, obviously... At the, the point that the end of summer comes out for Avery Hill, it must have been um, a really special time to be part of the company where suddenly uh, there's a lot of attention being drawn onto, onto Tilly and, and also onto to Avery Hill at the time. Looking back, and, and as I wasn't working for the company at the time, but and looking from the outside, it did feel like an important moment, like a hinge moment where things sort of turned and and everything sort of moved in a different direction was that was that something you felt within Avery Hill at the time um probably not exactly with the end of the summer um it was probably that kind of dawned a bit more with I love this part I think which came out four months after the end of the summer I think I, yeah, I was gonna say like a week later or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we 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 released the end of summer at Elcaf, and then I loved this part of Full Bubble. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the end of summer, that that was the one where it was kind of like 
it seems more industry in terms of where the attention started to come from. Whereas I'd love this part was a point where the audience kind of happened. So with the end of the summer, I, I was getting pages in and kind of, I remember going, I can't remember where we went. It was, maybe it was the lakes. I think it was the lakes the year before it was due to come out. And we're all on the, um, all the comics people on the train on the way home on the Hogwarts Express. Mm-hmm. And I, I had my iPad with me and I was basically just walking down all the carriages, just showing everyone Achilles <laughs> work and just going, guys, wait, wait, do you see this? It's all over and, for everyone, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's only 17. What are you, what have you guys done? Uh, <laughs> not, not really. Um, but yeah, and just kind of get the buzz that came with that. And then Tilly came over and um, just being at Elcaf with her and Annie Koyama came over and Michael DeForge and Michael DeForge went uh, over to his table and brought Julian Tamaki over because they were all just going, <laughs> what the hell is this? This is amazing. Um, so the, it, it was kind of stuff like that, especially with those people as well, because Annie Koyama obviously had a similar thing with Koyama Press where Michael DeForge was kind of the creator that she found who's kind of been with her the whole time who kind of took help take that publishing house to the next level as well where they kind of grew together I, I think that was more the thing with the end of summer it was just kind of that industry attention and then I loved this part kind of came out and that was the one where it was the most because it was kind of a queer story about two young girls and it was also bio to a certain extent. And that was kind of the one where it suddenly felt like it was an important book. And I definitely had a mental shift at that point where I was like, oh, this has kind of become something I didn't expect it to. And now I feel like a a massive responsibility about this book, about getting it out to people. I mean, like we were literally told by about two or three kind of industry people emailing us that we need to look after this book because it's really important. So yeah, that that kind of made me get a lot more serious about the publishing company itself. And at the time that maybe me and Dave used to go out kind of drinking quite a lot at uh, shows and be a bit hungover at the table, but that, that full bubble was definitely the first one where I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to kind of take this a lot more seriously going forward. I'm not probably not going to go out and get drunk. I'm going to kind of make sure I'm okay to sell books. Also, uh, you know, the other thing that comes from the end of summer, but also you say, I, I love this part is the the following year, they essentially scoop up an Ignatz award each at SBX for outstanding artist and promising new talent. The Ignatz awards are very prestigious generally and, two of them at that point in your career is uh, the heck of a response, isn't it? Yeah, and um, I love this part, got the ISA nomination as well, which was, right. yeah, like a a massive kind of deal because when, when I was a kid, I knew about the ISA, so I, I didn't know about <laughs> the Ignatz, but I, I definitely knew about the ISA. Yeah, it just suddenly felt like it was a point in time where we could either 
kind of really grow up and grow the company or just kind of say, okay, well, this, this is the biggest thing we'll ever do uh, and kind of just accept it and kind of go back to kind of taking it less seriously. So it, it was, it was definitely probably the biggest turning point I would say for us. And it, it led to lots of things. It was like, um, I kind of figured out that this was the way to get distribution was by using the link to, to Tilly and her work, especially as she had signed the deal with uh, a second to publish spinning. So we, we kind of got UK and US distributors off the back of it and yeah, kind of use it to shove our way into various parts of the industry, which we probably weren't particularly welcome in before. Well, you know, obviously the Ignatz Awards are hosted at as part of uh, the Small Press Expo in uh, Bethesda, uh, SPX. And, and had you tabled at SPX before the end of summer? No, no, we haven't. We, we didn't that year either. But then that obviously the Ignatz Awards uh, then puts you on their radar. So when you do apply, it's not these random fellas from London. It's Avery Hill Publishing who produced these Tilly Well, yeah, and then in a similar way in that um, we kind of, I can't, I can't remember if it was the year after or the year after that that we, we first went to SPX because we, we went with um, Tilly and uh, George Wybersoul as well um, when we had Ghosts. I think that was 2017. And yeah, again, it was like, can we come to your show? We'll bring Tilly Walden. Um, <laughs> and they were like, okay. <laughs> which, which, work, which, yeah, it works everywhere. <laughs> Ricky, thanks so much for talking to us. No worries, Steve. It, it was a good walk down memory lane. I've, I've, <laughs> I've said it before, but I feel like uh, I'll be in a, a cabin in the woods at some point. Uh, hidden away from the world and still I'll have journalists knocking on my door asking me about Tilly Walden <laughs> and you can just direct them to the podcast it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> say the what I have to say on the matter <laughs> thanks again to Ricky for talking to us and thank you for listening see you next month this show is a Holdfast Network production go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy